You are listening to Maryam Iqbal on FM Anchor. आप सुन रहे हैं मुझे मरियम इकबाल एफ एम एंकर पे यूर हेयरिंग मी ऑन एफ एम एंकर विच इज अवेलेबल ऑन स्पॉटिफाई एपल पॉडकास्ट एंड होल लॉट ऑफ अदर इंटरनेशनल पॉडकास्ट सीरीज एफ एम एंकर न्यूयॉर्क बेस्ड पॉडकास्ट which can be heard in 80 countries um my episodes are about women empowerment uh, culture um and today uh, career development as well and, and today i'm very excited because we're touching on a very important uh, topic that is youth empowerment and our champions uh, amongst the youth um as as we need to encourage the youth um to get ahead with the development and and especially with pakistan because you know the percentage of our youth uh, is is lot in number and the right encouragement the right champions who can empower uh, the youth in the right direction will lead to positive results and uh, a prosperous pakistan and a prosperous world so uh, we have with us um um a very bright champion for the youth uh, moaz awan um and today's episode is very interesting because moaz uh, is uh, you know he's, he just completed his uh, phd in engineering from china he did his bachelor's and masters from there as well he's a researcher he's an entrepreneur he's a geopolitical analyst uh, he's also an anchor on cpec time ptv um and uh, he's had a very bright career as when he started his career being a delegate at the United Nations Food Program the Harvard Model United Nations the Asian International Model United Nations as well so uh, over to you moaz uh, thank you so much for giving us uh, your precious time um we would like you to introduce yourself a little further tell us a little about what you're doing at the moment um, and highlight a little more about uh, uh, if if I- in the introduction that i just gave about you so uh, so much for uh, you know great introduction and um uh, this is um, pretty much it uh introducing me um i started my uh, you know i did my high school in pakistan um uh, then i moved on to china uh, and i moved uh, to china at a popular um and a lot of my mates were actually very concerned about me because um so i got my education from uh, hasanabad from kerry college hasanabad and as you know um you know most of the students over there are very bright very excellent uh, it's a very competitive environment and most so of my friends exactly it's one of the best uh public schools in pakistan and um so most of my friends were actually moving to nast to lums um to the us uh you know getting good uh you know admissions to good universities and then there was this me who was going to china and everyone was very concerned that you know maybe the education is not right maybe the environment is not okay you know there's always problems with halal food and you know so on and so on 
and even for me i had this uh, perspective about china that once i go there everything is going to be red number one number two everyone is going to be doing martial arts so 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 yeah that was uh you know one thing over there and um i think uh for me um as i don't know if you mentioned or not but i have spent uh 10 plus years in china i i moved oh, after high school i did i did my bachelor's i did my bachelor's with the chinese guys and girls you know mm -hmm. i did i had the same requirements as them i had the same design courses you know um there was no leniency for me as you know being a foreigner or doing the whole thing in chinese uh, you know engineering is a very different uh, difficult subject even even in how do you say even in english uh in chinese and then i did my masters and now you know i just completed my my phd Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So but I'd say that um, you know. Uh, sorry to cut you. I'd say that um, you know you had the foresight. You were far-sighted, but you'd say you were not. It's just that that decision just worked for you. I mean, it, I don't know what else sort of drove you to choose uh, China. I'm sure you you would have gotten um, you know opportunities abroad as well. Did you, did you think maybe you were practical enough to say that maybe in terms of budget it costs you less, or were you just attracted to China? Was it just one of those, you know, uh, decisions that just worked? But I'm sure right now um, you're at the top of your game, and you know you, you chose the right country. And with with, with our relations with China, uh, I think it was a very good decision. Well, uh, I wouldn't say that I was very smart. Uh, I think uh, China was actually a very natural, uh, you know, choice for me. Uh, after high school because so I have like a little bit of a background with China so sure. in 1930s uh, you know when we were approaching the world war and you know situation was not so good my grandfather uh, was at that time pre-partition working uh, with some Punjab regiment which was that time a part of the British army so my grandfather was actually based in Hong Kong. Uh, he spent uh, time in Shanghai, in Ningbo. Um, these were, uh, you know, the British, um, how do you say, concessions uh, at that time in China. So my grandfather was actually based in China at that time. So he spent like around four to five years uh, in China. Um, and then uh, moving forward, uh, in 1979, 78, 79, I'm not exactly sure, but that was the time when my father uh, went on a government scholarship uh, to China. Uh, he spent around eight years in China from 78 to, I think, 76 or 75 or something like that. So he also did his bachelor's and his master's uh, in China. So then, you know, being in a household where there was some, you know, history, um, you know, related to China. So I think China was kind of a natural uh, sure. tilt for me. And then I had the opportunity at that time. It was not about the cost. I was actually uh, nominated for a Chinese government scholarship. Uh, sure. And luckily, and luckily, I mean, uh, that time, uh, you know the CSE scholarship right now you go to any scholarship 
uh, group mm -hmm. in Pakistan, everyone knows about this, uh, you know, scholarship. But you know, sure. in 2011, uh, it was almost. So let the ice cream guy pass. Let me just. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right. So, um, uh, from my experience of sort of living abroad. In, yeah. So, so uh, let me, let me, let me, yeah, let me just complete this sentence. So, sure. um, so I, that time I applied for the scholarship and I luckily I got it. Uh, and you know, that is, you know, how I went to China. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, from my experience of sort of living in, in London, obviously there are communities from all over the world and they, they were, you know, sort of different reflections and experiences with the Chinese. So when I was in Cardiff University, I think they were very keen on education. Um, they had that hardworking element where most of them were not even good at with, with English. They had these gadgets which would automatically translate everything into English and I think about 80-90% of our international students used to come from China. So there was that element, uh, very respectful, um, very soft-spoken, uh, very disciplined. And then when I, this was in Cardiff, and then when I went to London, I remember the Chinatown was notorious for its uh, rude uh, restaurant owners, you know. So there, there was that aspect of them as well. And I remember having a shop in Camden where, you know, we couldn't compete with them as suppliers because um, as shopkeepers because, um, you know, um, they were, the shop owners had, uh, you know, uh, links in China and they would sell stuff like the profit margin would really be good. And they'd taken over the whole market pretty much as the story is with the rest of the world. Like, you couldn't compete. They'd, they'd ousted, us, mm -hmm. ousted us all. From your experience, Okay, so... What, what okay, so now experience of Chinese people. Okay, so so I couldn't hear the question. I think there was a glitch over there. Your experiences of how to deal with the China, how the China are in general. You know, a little, a little about that. Okay, so my experience with the Chinese um, and you know. So, you know, the Chinese are, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, Chinese people have a huge influence uh, of their education on their personalities. So, for instance, you mentioned, uh, you know, the Chinese in Chinatown, they were very aggressive, sometimes rude even, and uh, they had taken over the market. Uh, you know, Chinatowns in most uh, of the places in the world, you know, the historical Chinatowns, which were established like 60, 70 years ago, or something like that, pre, pre, um, uh, the, you know, pre-establishment of the People's Republic of China. So, uh, I would, I would say that the Chinese people of that time and the Chinese people of this time are very different, because, you know, during the 50s and 60s, there was a lot of um, I would I wouldn't say I know a lot of Western media with uh, went on but I wouldn't say indoctrination but I think it was some kind of education given to the Chinese uh, uh, of how about to actually behave with the foreign community and also how to behave um, inside your own community and so you know the present day the Chinese people are actually very different. 
Um, mm -hmm. you, you said they were soft-spoken. Um, they, they're very humble. Mm -hmm. um, and humbleness is something which comes, you know, yeah, in the Chinese culture. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That so that that is coming from you know Confucius times. Like they're very humble. Um, and uh, very there is very disciplined. That is that is that is a part of their nature. Also, mm -hmm. uh, very you know, hardworking as well. You know, very very hard, very hardworking, uh, very disciplined. Uh, also, following their leadership. So, for for instance, in Pakistan or any other country where there is democracy, uh, people would be like, oh, maybe that you know, uh, you know the. The, the Labour Party was good or maybe the Democrats are good or you know some third party is good but for the Chinese once a leadership actually assumes control um, I would say that most of the people naturally have this tendency to follow their leader um, mm -hmm. so this is so this is something Michael mm -hmm. um, you know there's another point that Chinese people do not open up very easily to to foreigners, especially. So that is also a point where a lot of nations are actually struggling, and uh, there's always this uh, uh, you know discussion in the Western media in the policy circles that we cannot understand the Chinese. We do not understand what they want, how they behave, what are their policies, and that is because and that is because you know, it is their inherent property of being uh, a bit closed to the outside world and, you know, keeping things to their own. Uh, and then there is another quality of savings, like Chinese uh, households are very famous for savings. So uh, on average, Pakistani people spend a lot. Um, you know, people in the uh, in the states they also spend a lot. In Europe, you know, people everywhere they spend a lot. But average Chinese households they have a lot more savings than uh, you know any uh, other region in the world. So that is that is why also uh, you would see Chinese businesses actually you know taking over other businesses because you have uh, you know. A large community with a large amount of like capital together they can do wonders sure sure um, uh, you do realize Mars we, we, we we're, we're interested in asking you so many questions so I, I have to sometimes so short uh, time. if you don't mind cut you because I want you to sure, reflect sure, sure. as much as possible um, the most important part is um, you went there uh, a decade ago and you've, you've had you know most of your education there a little about the opportunities in terms of education the youth wanting to go there how does the system work what's and, and i've heard that there are lots of opportunities in terms of scholarships so because you work for the government as well and you live between both the countries so if you'd like to reflect upon that so that people who are listening to us can take advantage of the knowledge that you share with them uh, so first of all um just to give you like an overview that China and Pakistan are on the best of terms mm -hmm. uh, in terms of you know bilateral relations between any country um, Pakistan and China uh, share a very very special relationship actually China has certain degrees of relationship levels in their foreign policy so they have for example the US has 
you know, uh, major ally and then major non-NATO ally and then you know all these all these levels of, of relationships with with the, with, with the other country. So China also has you know these standards of relationship and Pakistan is the only country uh, with which it has a strategic uh, all-weather uh, relationship. So this is a term this is not you know this is not you know a flowery term this is a professional term in their foreign policy booklet which is given to Pakistan. So you know with this relationship comes a lot of opportunities for Pakistan um, you know, in in, in government uh, cooperation, in investments, uh, in defense, and also in science and technology, and also education. So, uh, China has given a lot, you know, a huge number of scholarships to Pakistani students. Actually, it's it's actually funny because I have some colleagues coming uh, from other countries and uh, you know other countries, and whenever the admission list. For the scholarship is uploaded on the university website they always complain like people from all around the world thailand morocco uh, you know africa europe they always can uh, you know complain that why does the chinese universities and the chinese government give so many scholarships to pakistani people it's because mm -hmm. you know around 50 percent of the scholarships go to pakistani uh, students and then the 50 it's for the rest of the world so that's well, unfair so that's unfair you know but it is unfair but it is also reflective of the nature of relationship between china and pakistan sure uh so there's there's this one dimension that the chinese government always supports uh, more pakistanis to go to china and learn about it and then you know, get education from there but there there's another dimension that pakistani uh, students in general uh, have a very good impression in China because most of uh, you know Pakistani students um, they do not like to go uh, to the bars uh, I'm sure some of do some of them do uh, but they do not hang out late night they do not um, you know consume alcohol they do not do drugs um, most people are 27 28 going for their PhDs, they have families or they're going to be married very soon. So all of their focus is on their research to publish papers so that they can either go to another country or come back to Pakistan and get a, you know, a stable job. So most of their energies are actually, you know, spent on actual research. So that's, that's one thing which the Chinese love about Pakistani students, that they do not waste time on these luxury things. And they they don't have they don't have these huge requirements of in, uh, you know entertainment. And they're hardworking people. And also because uh, you know uh, you know uh, throughout we have this English, so Pakistani uh, researchers can write very good research articles and in high impact mm -hmm. factor. Journal, so, so yeah. if, you, if you would like to sort of reflect a little more about the scholarships that are available, any websites, leads that you would want people so, to. Uh, so I think, so I think, so I think, uh, you know, all of the leads are very crystal clear. Uh, most of the students, uh, they use Facebook. Youngsters, they use Facebook. You can just go online and then search for Chinese Chinese government scholarships. Right. So basically, there are three kinds of scholarships. One is the Chinese government scholarship. 
then there is the provincial government scholarship and then there is the city government scholarship so it's it's like three uh, you know this three state scholarship and mm -hmm. every scholarship uh, you can just apply um, you know you cannot apply simultaneously so you what you would either get the government the central government scholarship or the provincial government scholarship or the city municipal government scholarship but most of them are very standardized scholarships they cover for your uh, meals um, for your basic necessities the tuition fee uh, is waived off uh, you get in most of the scholarships you get also allowance for your living rent for your rent uh, so it's pretty much uh, you know all of your you know life expenses are covered in that uh, stipend uh, and some of them actually they don't they cover 50% so you have to scroll through uh, those opportunities there is a group um, on Facebook called scholarship network uh, it has all the information not just for uh, Chinese government scholarships but also for you know the, for the whole world actually right um another uh, there's a lot of misconception about cpec and because you you you've dealt with some kind of a show that you sort of emphasize on that and um, there's in the news that what happened to it or is the work too slow or what what developments have taken place and what's your perspective and, and view uh, on on cpec so Mariam, when when cpec was uh, was about to be started the Chinese were very, very cautious, and uh, they were actually um, telling the political government. Uh, that time, it was uh, MLN in Pakistan. And they they were asking them not to, um, you know, overdo the whole CPEC show, and not to disclose a lot of things which are happening. Uh, but because of the political government's own, you know, agendas and their own requirements, they had to. Uh, overemphasized the CPEC project and that created a lot of risks uh, for the project from the outside world from the financial world and you know uh, you know the, the international financial institutions are are based in a certain way so whatever money is coming from one country to another country it is going through you know a specific uh, channel but but because of you know over over uh, i would say drum beating uh the cpec project a lot of institutions uh were alerted and um they they started to close the doors off and then uh the risks as you see there was a, an attack like two weeks three weeks ago in dasu mm -hmm. and chinese uh, engineers were killed yeah. two of two of the pakistani um forces members were killed and then yesterday or the day before yesterday there was a blast in Gawadar uh, in which another Chinese bus was targeted. So these things happen because Pakistan's security situation is not as good as it should be. But of course the government is working on it. And um, for, the, for the point that uh, CPEC is slowed down right now and we don't have a lot of news. Uh, and that is because I think the government somehow, this government somehow realized that you know, instead of drum beating uh, yeah. on CPEC, we should, you know, just keep our heads down, uh, mm -hmm. complete the projects, and, uh, you know, uh, and sure. whatever, yeah, and whatever we have to show to the world, we should show in terms of our uh, 
GDP uh, growth and our you know in our uh, and our economy so so yeah so the effects of uh, today's projects are gonna come in the next 10 years right um, obviously I mean uh, China is now you know uh, superpower and in terms of business and taking over the world I mean in all aspects is um, we just discussed where they are today at the, the they're at the top of their game um, the startup culture um, I, I work with a lot of uh, startups and I mentor them and I've got a few uh, my startups running as well I know there's she loves tech which you know the final takes place in, in China every year um, uh, it's an accelerator called circle and I'm sure I'd like to learn a lot uh, a lot uh, more about um, the relationships between both countries as far as startups are concerned and involving the youth in, in, in business initiatives okay so uh, just let me uh, clarify it uh, you know in the start you said that China is is a superpower right now and it's kind of taking over the role of the US uh, China is I wouldn't say it's still a superpower for one there is still a lot of you know um, a difference between you know in, in all sorts of matters between the US and China and China has never uh, you know I mean it hasn't demanded this kind of hegemony or, or being this or or being seen as a superpower mm -hmm. uh, so then about startups uh, right now China is in a very um, interesting situation where they have uh, you know realized that uh, their their education uh, for the last 30 40 years was was good enough was good enough for today's China but was not good isn't good enough for the for the China of the next 50 years so they have realized that innovation and entrepreneurship and you know freedom of speech and uh, you know knowledge economy is you know absolutely vital to their national development for the next 50 years and now they're pursuing uh, you know, and they're reforming their education sector, giving so much more money uh, in terms of research grants to universities, giving so much more money to entrepreneurs, to young entrepreneurs for innovation. And, uh, you know, the Chinese premier and the Chinese president has always, uh, you know, um, emphasized. And recently, if you look, look at the Chinese state documents, they always mention these two words called Chuang Ye Chuang Xin. Okay, so Chuang Ye is entrepreneurship and the other one is innovation. So they are, you know, they, they are after innovation and entrepreneurship. So there's a lot of scope in China uh, along around these entrepreneurship and innovation things. There are accelerators, the government, the central government, the provincial governments, the city governments, the local district governments, all of them give a lot of uh, support to entrepreneurs, cash support, monetary support. They give support in terms of uh, you know office office space, etc. Uh, etc. Et and it, and if and, and if we say about Pakistan, yeah, and we and if we talk about Pakistan, uh, I think Pakistan has this great potential to work with China uh, on a lot of different uh, you know uh, you know tech. Uh, 
companies and you know different entrepreneurs working with Chinese entrepreneurs jointly and launching products and launching services to the whole world. But unfortunately, um, our government um, is not focused on that on that uh, aspect. And also, there is this uh, uh, issue of uh, you know capacity and the human resource we have um, in Pakistan that actually can attract you know these kinds of uh, you know projects from China to Pakistan or from Pakistan to China. But it is it is a very much doable thing, and I think if some entrepreneurs are uh, you know listening to me, uh, you can search for entrepreneurship projects. Uh, Alibaba has entrepreneurship projects. Tencent is a huge company, and there are like a bunch of other companies which are actually literally looking for people who have good ideas, and then even offering them spaces and even offering them monetary support from Pakistan, so that you know, uh, you know, China can go ahead, can go ahead with their uh, entrepreneurship and innovation drive. Right. Um... Thank you so much for you know mentioning um, all the names where uh, you know entrepreneurs were listening to us, and I, I really appreciate that for giving us the leads. Um, well, as you know, um, our world changed um, March 2020. Um, everything from in terms of learning and with schools and colleges and 19th, about- 19th January. It, it, uh, yes. In 19th January, when. Uh, China announced for the first time that uh, COVID was transmissible from human. That is when everything changed. Yes, and um, you know um, it's taken a mental toll on you know people's um, you know health and uh, generally you know uh, uh, you know the whole situation with business and the fact that we weren't ready for this and it just suddenly happened. And all this talk of human beings becoming irrelevant and machines taking over and, and how China has uh, done an amazing job in terms of uh, dealing with COVID. What are your views uh, in terms of, I'll just divide this question into two halves. Uh, for the youth and people, uh, what, what's the way ahead with COVID um, and uh, your experience of, I don't know if you went to China in these two years, a, a little about that. So, um, I'll just try to shorten it up. So, I left China just three, four days ago uh, when, uh, you know, they announced that there is this novel corruption. Uh, so, I just left China four days ago and haven't been able to go back to China because of the border restrictions. So, uh, the first thing China did was actually close down its borders and, uh, you know, I know a lot of Pakistani students they wanted to leave China that time and then the government uh, you know telling them the Chinese government that please do not leave right now your life uh, will be by the government of do all the pandemic so it's it's a risky situation but please do not leave uh, China right now because you might spread the virus to your own countries so China mm-hmm. actually demonstrated that it was a responsible country as soon as it, it came to know it started closing its cities and then we saw for three months uh, Chinese cities when I say Chinese cities were closed they were not uh, 
closed as they as Islamabad and Lahore and Peshawar and Karachi are closed. They were really literally closed. And people would get their food in there would be volunteers wearing protect, protective gear giving food to millions of people. So it was a huge, huge, huge months you know and the whole world, world uh, actually kind of celebrate and time rises finally stop three months and they're in China China is doomed etc etc three months three finished the again after those three months it was on you know it's economic is back and now the only major supplier in the whole world mm -hmm. is China you know so things things are not coming from Vietnam they're not coming from sure. Indonesia Taiwan Korea everywhere it's it's not good situation but China is earning um, the highest amount of foreign remittances it has ever ever earned in its entire you know 60 70 years time period mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there is record business and Chinese banks are actually concerned about their over liquidation, uh, you know, you know, dollars pumping in and so it's it's kind of a very tricky situation. But yeah, um, they handled it very good. And I'm also, uh, but again, there are different dissenting uh, voices coming. Um, uh, there, There is one of their, uh, um, you know, it's, he's called the Fauci of uh, of China. Uh, his name is Zhang Wenhong, and he was the ex uh, chairperson of the Chinese CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Mm -hmm. uh, so he says he actually uh, recently wrote in a media article, a social media article, that uh, China is has has to live with the virus. Uh, you know, to the policy of zero COVID, uh, you know, zero infections, zero COVID. Mm -hmm. So it has mm -hmm. to eventually open up with, 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 with Lord, um, mm -hmm. and part uh, of China is not sustainable because it's been two years and people cannot move into China and Chinese so. people, and that is you know unsustainable uh, for. Well, let's see what happens and there is the 2022 uh, Olympics coming so we will see what China does uh, of course uh, it is a huge huge pressure on China because um, you know an Olympics without people is not an Olympics uh, and people wouldn't enjoy it but if you allow the free movement of people then you would have COVID uh, you know risks uh, risks for infection so we would we would see how, how the, you know things go and China is actually preparing for the 2022 mega event and we're all the you know right um, you know um, Chinese also part of the Eastern culture and there's also this misconception about 
you know uh, the same culture that you know is with the other like you know the eastern culture in general as far as women are concerned that their role is seen more as housekeepers and you know the same problem with unequal wages and so as far as sort of uh you know um, obviously women empowerment is very important to a country's development mm-hmm. and it, 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 i'm sure it hasn't just reached this level without the women um at the forefront what is your experience in terms of women empowerment in the chinese women in the workplace well, well uh, women empowerment these days is a very hot issue um in in pakistan and i see on twitter there's a lot of women they're blaming men of course uh you know things are not ideal in pakistan and i i i i totally agree that things have to change and you know women should have safe safe spaces uh in the society where they can grow like other than uh, other than that there are things a little more in number than men and saying that they shouldn't be in the workforce you know i mean is it indirectly affecting the economy so i mean in terms of economy, yeah, yeah. it's so important for them to be in the workforce yes exactly so, exactly they should they should come out they should you know contribute to the society and to the economy uh and in china uh this is uh, it's a very opposite scenario where uh women are actually you know i would say in a household a woman is controlling um and and she's the lead figure uh that's that's how i see so you would mm-hmm. uh mostly see uh chinese men holding their uh girlfriends or their wives uh you know bag and carrying her stuff so it's that kind of scenario and in china uh you know post revolution uh women had to uh you know bend in front of their uh you know uh, how do you say you know the the uh, the the, the mom mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. I, I can't yeah so so you get my the point in-laws, yes. And, yeah yes they lost and and now uh, after the revolution women equal and women actually uh very um, I don't know how to put it but but in a very aggressive in a, in a very aggressive I, I, I wouldn't say positive it was positive but in a very aggressive way that okay I'm a woman who right. did uh I can drive the train I can be a miner I can be a soldier I can be a pilot so th- th- that was the attitude in then now in China um women are in all you know segments of society there is a vice premier who is a woman uh there was a, a speaker of the chinese uh, uh assembly that was a woman so so you have women everywhere and there is no uh not a huge not a huge problem of women empowerment of course of course i think there you've are highlighted that uh, you've highlighted a very important point there um uh, that you know we obviously see them in the farms or you know lower wages uh you know jobs or at the lower level uh but the fact that you're saying that they're actually in decision making roles uh where the actual change will come so that's nice yeah. to hear that they they they've gone into politics and as ceos and as business women you know exactly uh, any last tips um, advice for the youth uh before we sort of close the show um from your interest 
well, I would I would always say to the young people that uh, see China as a potential partner and a potential market of your products and a, and a potential source of your products. Um, I know a lot of uh, young Pakistani people right now working on Amazon and Shopify and all these yes. websites and they're sourcing products from China. So that is one thing. But also focus on your own products and time. This is how we're going to get revenue. We're going to one of you become a successful businessman, sell products, your products to China. You will, um, you know, make the lives of hundreds of more people who will be invested and who will be a part of of your business. Uh, that you will be taking to China. So always, always look to China as, you know, as a market also. And also mm-hmm. keep your, uh, for, for the students, please keep your options open. If you would, if you like to go to the US, go to the US, go to, the U- go to Europe. But uh, do not uh, say that China is not a developed country because uh, whatever, research you want to do and you might be able to do in the US and Europe you can do it much better without the financial constraints in China right now um, is it as difficult and would you like to sort of just help us a little with hello and bye or just the basics of Chinese language before oh, we the show? yeah yeah so um, the Chinese language you know, it's a very difficult question uh, that is Chinese language difficult because you know I, I was in that environment for 10 years and you know every day listening to Chinese and being with Chinese students I think I I, I got a hold of it much more uh, you know uh, like much quicker than uh, other people I don't think so it's very difficult uh, but it depends on the aptitude of, of, of the person also and uh, I would I would actually uh, just say three words, three sentences, uh, not sentences, but words uh, that might be relevant to our young participants. One is uh, Ni Hao. So Ni Hao mm-hmm. is like hello in Chinese. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, another one called Zai Jian. Uh, Zai Jian is bye bye. <laughs> so you have Ni Hao, that's hello, and then Zai Jian is bye bye. And then there is another one called Okay, so I'm gonna repeat it again. So this means long. Amazing. That's just such a lovely word to end our wonderful interview. Absolute pleasure having you. Thank you for giving us your time. And as I said, it's so important to have youth champions like yourself to uh, help the youth of our nation sort of get onto the right track. Till next time, we will come with another interesting personality. Uh, a very uh, thank you, uh, Moaz. Um, uh, very wow. goodbye to you, and we wish you the best of luck for the future. Thank you. Thank you, Mother. Thank, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. And keep up the great work. <laughs>